My segment here it, at our site is it's on a blue colored handout. Um, I'm not sure at the other sites what color it is. Um, but as Deb said, it's how medicine works to control blood sugar levels. And I also have a handout. It's, it's kind of on a white gray colored sheet. Um, and it's called Core Defects in Type 2 Diabetes. So I'll also be referring to that as well um, during my um, segment. So the objectives I'm going to cover today, um, we're, going, we're going to define diabetes. Uh, we're going to list how medications work. And we're going to talk about this ominous octet. And I'm gonna, going to identify the side effects of medications uh, for diabetes. So let's go back to the basics. All right, what, what is diabetes? Well, diabetes, it's a group of diseases characterized by high blood glucose levels that result from defects in the body's ability to produce and or use insulin. Okay, there's a lot of words on there. Let's break it down a little bit more. What does that mean? Okay, so what's going on in our body? All right, so what happens um, when you eat, some of the foods you eat have what we call carbohydrates in them. And carbohydrates are broken down into glucose. And that glucose is then what we use for energy. So in people who do not have diabetes, in other words, they have normal blood glucose levels, um, these people, they eat foods with carbohydrates. The carbohydrates are broken down into glucose. And then they have an organ called their pancreas. And their pancreas makes insulin. And insulin is a hormone and it unlocks the cell so that that glucose can get inside the cell. And that's what gives you your energy to do your day-to-day -day activities. So in people who don't have diabetes, this is all just nice and in balance. So if you think of a scale, if you have 50 pounds on one side and 50 pounds on the other, your scale's gonna be nice, nice and even, nice and in balance. So the same thing, people who don't have diabetes, all these things are nice and in balance. Now, when diabetes happens, um, we, we've upset the scale. There's an imbalance in the system. And that's when we get the high blood sugar levels. And what's going on here, um, the same thing, you know, people are eating, they're eating foods with carbohydrates. The carbohydrates are broken down into glucose, but then there's this imbalance in our system. So your pancreas, um, it gets lazy, it gets tired. Sometimes it makes insulin, sometimes it doesn't. If it doesn't make insulin, that insulin, or excuse me, that glucose stays in your bloodstream and then you have higher blood sugar levels. Or the other thing, you know, your pancreas, it is making insulin, but it's, it's kind of like the wrong key for the lock. So in other words, that insulin can't unlock the cell for that glucose to get inside. And if it can't do that, then that glucose stays in your bloodstream and you have higher blood sugar levels. Um, also on that slide, you'll note it talks about your liver. Uh, your liver releases glucose when your blood sugar levels are low. So for instance, you go to bed at night and you don't eat anything until morning, your liver's gonna kick in to keep your blood sugar levels up. So, and, and with diabetes, what happens is that liver kinda gets stuck in that on position so it keeps making more and more glucose. It doesn't realize there's enough there, and that results in high, high blood glucose levels. So there's a lot of 
things going on in your body, you know, causing this imbalance in the blood sugars to happen. Now, with diabetes, um, there's two main types of diabetes. There's type 1 and type 2. And type 1 diabetes, uh, this is, uh, usually it's an autoimmune response. So what that means is the cells in the pancreas are destroyed. Um, some, something in the environment triggers them to be destroyed. And as a result, the body just turns on it and destroys all those cells to make insulin. So people with type 1 diabetes have to have insulin from an outside source to survive. They, they, their body does not make any insulin at all. And we tend to see this more in younger people. This is about 5 to 10 percent of our population. But insulin is the treatment, the medication treatment for this type of, of diabetes. Now type 2 diabetes, um, that is more of a progressive type of diabetes. And just like some of the things I talked about in my previous slide, um, that pancreas, it's not utilizing that insulin properly. So um, either because the pancreas, it isn't making any insulin, the lack of insulin production, or it's, um, it's insufficient. That insulin's there, and it's just not you know, able to unlock the cells to get that glucose inside. We call that resistant. Um, this is about... The, the kind of the rest of the population, you know, 90 to 95%. So when you hear about diabetes on TV, usually, usually this is what they're talking about, type 2 diabetes. And as I said, this type of diabetes can progress over time. So some people are able to manage it just with diet and activity. Some people need medications. Some people use insulin and medications. And um, it, it's just over time it can change. Okay, now I want you to think about um, some of the TV commercials you've recently seen for some of the diabetes medicines. Maybe you've seen a magazine, something on the radio. So think about everything you've heard recently. And um, what, what do you think? What, what do you think is the best medicine to manage your diabetes? Whatever works for you. Whatever works for you. Good, good. Okay. The food you eat. The food you eat. Very good. Right. Exercise. Exercise. Great. All very good answers. Yes, yes. You, and you are all actually right. Yes. Um, what is the best medicine to manage your diabetes? Um, lifestyle changes. You know, all, all of these things. Um, the exercise, watching what you eat. It's got waste, weight loss on there. And the comment, you know, whatever works for you. It's very individualized. And that is really a key part of managing diabetes. It's it's, each person is different. Uh, there was a study done back in the 90s with the Diabetes Prevention Program, and it showed uh, that people who make lifestyle changes, they can reduce their chance of getting diabetes by 58%. So they showed that by decreasing their weight, and we're not talking huge weight loss, um, you know, 5 to 7% of your weight, um, exercising 30 minutes, five days a week, you know, by doing these things, you know, they can reduce their chance of getting diabetes by 58%. So, so this, this is huge, just by doing lifestyle changes, you know, the best, the best medicine. Um, so some of you are here, you may have diabetes yourself. Um, diabetes, th there is a strong genetic link between diabetes 
And so this would be it's something you could encourage, you know, family members to do. You know, watch, watch what they're eating, watch their portions, and, and be active. Because um, they can prevent or delay their, the onset of diabetes. All right, I, I had the opportunity this summer um, to go to a, uh, it was our annual diabetes conference. And at this conference, they talked about this concept. It's called the Ominous Octet. And, and this is the slide that you, um, or the, the paper you guys, you all have, you should have copies of. It says in the middle, core defects in type 2 diabetes. And um, this, this was kind of interesting um, because uh, it shows, you know, all the different parts of the body where, um, you know, where, where your blood sugars just aren't where, well controlled where your organs aren't working, you know, like, like they should be to manage your diabetes. And um, you can see, you know, I talked about the pancreas and the liver before, um, but there are other defects going on in the body um, as well. And, um, you know, going back that the lifestyle changes, the, the diet and, and activity, you know, those are key things to do, um, but sometimes those things aren't enough. And that's when your healthcare provider looks at adding medications. And so I, I gave everyone this handout um, because when I talk about the different classes of medications, um, I kind of put the symbol um, of what, what organ that this, these medicines are working on. So it's kind of more just a reference tool for you to see that um, you know, there's a lot of different medicines out there. There's a lot of research being done, new products coming out. And so there's just more tools to help, help manage diabetes. So referring to your slides, um, the first medicine I'm going to talk about is in a class. Uh, it's, it's called the biguanides. And this medicine is uh, the medicine that is most commonly used. And it's called metformin. <laughs> you might know it as glucophage, fortimet, riomet, glucophage, XR. And, and you can see on the slide, I put pictures, uh, you know, of the liver and the muscle, just so you can kind of think, okay, this is where this medicine's working. And what it does, uh, it decreases the amount of sugar that's released from your liver, and it also helps increase the absorption of sugar, you know, into your muscle, so your cells utilize that a little bit better. So it's working, you know, a couple different ways. Um, it, if you take this medicine with food, it helps with some of the side effects that can happen. And diarrhea and upset stomach, those are two of the biggest side effects from this medication. A lot of times these are just kind of short-lived. Um, it's kind of like your body getting used to being on that medicine. Um, but for some people, they just don't tolerate it at all. Um, and they, they have to go off of it. And as I said, this medicine, um, you know, it's pretty much the next step. Um, after diet and exercise, the doctors will look at prescribing this medicine if you've been newly diagnosed with diabetes um, or if they're looking at adding medication. This, this is one that we, we very commonly see. And the medicines that I'm talking about, they, they are pretty much applied to, you know, the people with type 2 diabetes. Um, so just, I just wanted to add that as well. So the next class, uh, we have the sulfonurias. So, and I've listed both on all of these medicines, the brand names and the generic names. 
So like the glinase, the diabeta, glucotrol, amaryl, diabinase, you know, if some of you may be on those if you have diabetes or know someone who's on those medications. Now these medicines work on the pancreas and they tell your pancreas to make more insulin. So it's a good idea um, to take this medicine before meals um, because then it, you know, it tells your pancreas to make insulin and that way when you eat, you know, your food kind of matches up with your insulin. The biggest thing to watch for if you're on this medicine is a low blood sugar. So say you take this medicine in the morning and you skip breakfast, um, you know, you go about your day, you're at risk for a low blood sugar because that medicine is telling your pancreas to make insulin, but there's no food there to balance it out. So then you're at risk for that low blood sugar. Another class of medicine um, is called the meglitinides, and Prandin and Starlix are the names, the more common names we hear. Um, this medicine, uh, this class of medicine also works on your pancreas. And what it does, it tells your pancreas to make insulin a little bit more quickly. So it's kind of like it gives the pancreas a kick and says, hey, you know, hurry up, we need it right now. Um, this medicine, you, you need to take a pill before each meal. Um, so if, if you eat three times a day, you would take, take that medicine before each meal. Um, it's short acting, so it's designed to work, you know, when you eat and then it leaves your body. Um, and again, the low blood sugar is the biggest side effect because it, it works on your pancreas. Okay, moving on. We've got the alpha-glucosidase inhibitors, or the precose and the glycet. Now you'll notice this one has the picture of the stomach on there. These medicines work on your gut, and they slow the absorption of carbohydrates in the gut. So you want to take this medicine with meals. And uh, the biggest side effect of this medicine is gas, or flatulence. Now, that is not a side effect that a lot of people like to have. So um, we do not see this prescribed very often um, where I work, or actually here in the United States in general, mainly because of the side effect. But in, in Europe and other countries, this is a very acceptable social norm. And um, this, this medicine is used there. And it is a very acceptable or effective medicine. Um, like I said, the side effect just, people just aren't signing up for it, so. All right, another class of medicine. Um, okay, I'm not even gonna try to say the name because I, I slaughtered it this afternoon. Yeah, yeah, there we go. The, the TZDs is this class of medicine. Um, the Actos and the Avandia, those are the two medicines in that class. And um, the, this class of medicines, you know, it works a couple different ways. It makes the cells more sensitive to the insulin and it decreases the release of sugar from the liver. So again, it's working on a couple, couple different parts of the body. Um, the biggest side effects are swelling and weight gain from these medicines. And there, there is a warning on there um, if you have heart disease and again, with this medicine and just like any other medications, you know, the doctor will look at your history and visit with you, you know, about the risks and benefits of it. All right, there's another class of medicine um, 
this one, no, it came out in the in, in 2000s. Um, so it's it's a little bit newer. Um, and the big name for the class is the dipeptidyl peptidase 4 inhibitor, or in other words, the DPP4 inhibitor. So these medicines, um, like Genuvia, Trigenta, Anglisa, Galvis, uh, Nacina, these are the medicines that are in this class. And um, what DPP4 um, is, it, it's actually an enzyme and it breaks down um, incretins. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about the incretins a little bit later. But what the incretins do, um, you know, they, they help your pancreas to make insulin. They tell your liver not to make so much sugar. They um, slow down, you know, how the carbohydrates are absorbed into your system. So th this enzyme breaks down the incretins so they can't work as effectively. And what these DPP4 inhibitors do is they block that enzyme so that it can't break down those incretins. So in other words, like I said, it's telling the pancreas to make more insulin. It's decreasing the release of sugar from your liver. And it's slowing down how uh, carbohydrates, um, how they're absorbed from the gut. Uh, the main side effects, uh, upper respiratory infections, again, stomach upset because you're working with the gut, um, and diarrhea. Those are the biggest things to watch for. All right, another class of medicine uh, that came out um, probably in the, oh, a little, I don't know, within the last five years, I would say, um, sodium glucose co-transporter 2, or SGLT2 inhibitors. Um, so these medicines, some of you may or may not be on them or may have heard of them. Uh, Invocana, Farsiga, Jardiance, those are more of the common names of those medications. And these medications work on the kidneys. And so this is just a completely different class of medications. And what your, your kidneys normally reabsorb sugar. And what this medicine does, um, it blocks the reabsorption of sugar and it increases it, um, in increases the excretion through the urine. So in the, the other words, you're, you're getting rid of it when, when, when you're urinating. You get rid of the glucose in your urine. Uh, the biggest side effects to watch for are yeast infections, um, urinary tract infections. Some people get a little weight loss if you consider that a side effect. Um, decreased blood pressure and uh, dehydration, which I did not put on there. And here I just have a picture of um, the inside of the kidney here, and it, it just shows how the glucose, how it's reabsorbed, and it kind of blocks it there at, at that arrow um, so that you're excreting it through your urine. And like I said, we you know, we have people on this, this class of medications as well, and it, it just works a little bit on a different part of the body to bring your blood sugars under control. Now, the next two slides, I have listed um, what we call combination medications, and I'm not going to read through all of these um, for you, um, but you can see there, there are, there's a lot of them out there. And what combination medications mean is they have taken two different classes of medications and put them into one. So 
if you're someone who's maybe on a lot of medications, um, you know, and if, if you take a combination medication, th that might be a good option for you because it, it might, you might be able to cut back on a pill that you take. So you, you would only take one pill, you know, instead of two. Or if you have a hard time remembering to take your medications, you know, this might be an option as well because you, you would take, you know, just one combination medication versus, you know, two different medications. Um, the, the key thing to remember about the combination medications is, um, again, it's, they're, they're two different medicines in one, and so you still are at risk, you know, for the different side effects from the two classes of the medications. So just be aware of that. But these are options, and just be aware of, and something, you know, something to visit with your healthcare provider about. Mm -hmm. All right. So I've touched on, you know, the classes of oral medications, and now I want to move on to a class of medications that is an injection. And I know usually when you think of an injection, you, you think insulin right away. But actually this class is not insulin, it, it's a, a totally different class of medications. And it's called uh, the glucagon-like peptide 1, or GLP-1 is what we call this class of medicines. And you may or may not have heard of them, um, the Bieta, the Victoza, Bidurian, Trulicity, Tanzium. And there's a new uh, medication coming out uh, next year as well. Um, th these are medicines that are in this class. And um, what, how this medicine works, um, this was that incretin hormone that I, I kind of talked about a little bit earlier. So your body naturally produces this hormone. And what happens, um, sometimes when people get diabetes, they don't make enough of this hormone. So, so they're, they're deficient in it. And so what, by adding this GLP-1, they're replacing the GLP-1 hormone, you know, that the body isn't making, that they're deficient in. And enhances the use of it, which just helps your body use insulin overall. And my, my next slide there shows you, again, the different parts of the body that it works on. Um, you know, it tells the pancreas to make more insulin. It decreases the release of sugar from the liver. It slows down the absorption of carbohydrates in the gut. And it tells your brain that you're full. So what benefit would that have if you're full? Well, again, the side effect slash benefit um, of weight loss is listed on there. Because if you're full, you're not going to eat as much, therefore not as many calories. You could get some weight loss benefit being on this medication. Um, other side effects are nausea and decreased appetite. Okay, I'm going to talk about insulin here at the end. Um, as I, I mentioned before, people who have type 1 diabetes, um, they have to have insulin. Um, it's, it's not an option not to. They, they have to take insulin. But people who have type 2 diabetes, um, insulin is also a treatment option for them. And um, as, as you'll see on my slide here, diabetes medications only work as long as the body produces some of, some of its own insulin. And just like the comment that was made, every person is different with regards to medication and insulin plans. So it's very individualized. 
Um, I added this slide at the last minute, so I apologize, you don't have this, um, and I'm not sure how well you can see it. Um, but this is from our, our diabetes journal, it's our 2016 journal. And basically, it, it's kind of a guide that the doctors use to decide, you know, which medication, you know, sh should we use to treat, help you manage your diabetes. So up at the top is metformin. So metformin is always the first choice. Um, like I said, a lot of times you'll, you'll try the metformin. If metformin doesn't work for you, then they'll look at adding a second class of medicine. So that whole first row um, with, with all the colored boxes um, are a lot of those classes of medicines that I, that I talked about. And so like the first box there, it's metformin and a sulfonuria, metformin and a TZD, metformin and a DPP-4. So it just kind of goes down the line. Um, and on the end, it has metformin and insulin. So you can see you know, if the metformin isn't working alone to manage your diabetes, um, you know, insulin could be an option that your healthcare provider could look at adding. Or it could be a DPP-4, or it could be a sulfonuria. So insulin is right up there. Um, we used to think of insulin as being kind of that last resort to managing diabetes, and things have really changed. Um, you know, we have a lot, a lot of newer insulins out there, lots of studies out there, and there really is a lot more benefit um, to the insulin. Um, insulin, people used to think of insulin as I've, I've failed with my diabetes, I'm doing a bad job, I'm being punished, I have to take insulin. But, but that's not the case, because sometimes it's your body, you know, your body just isn't doing the job. Your body's out of balance, and, and you need that extra help, you know from the insulin or from the medications. So I'm gonna touch on um, the different classes of insulin. Um, insulin, it's a hormone. Like I said, our, our body producing it, but there are synthetic versions that are made of it. And there's six different classes of insulin or how they categorize it. Um, your ultra long acting, your long acting, and your intermediate acting. These are considered more of your background insulins. So in other words, when you're not eating anything, your body still needs insulin. So your organs need it, your brain, your kidneys, you know, your body needs insulin. When, when you're sleeping, you need insulin. Now your short-acting insulin, your rapid-acting insulin, and your very rapid-acting insulins, um, these are more of your mealtime insulin. So these are the insulins you take before you eat. So you would take it before breakfast, you know, before your noon meal, and before your evening meal. And the biggest side effect of being on insulin, um, the low blood sugar, um, the biggest thing to watch for. Uh, insulin uh, has to be injected, um, except for the last one, the aphrasia. That is an inhaled version. And some people do get bruising at the site, so that would be another, you know, side effect to watch for. So I just want to, I want to touch on the classes briefly here. Um, the ultra-long acting, these are newer insulins that came out within the past year or two. Um, they're ultra-long acting because they last well beyond 24 hours. 
um, Traceba or Tugeo. Um, and again, these are those background insulins when you're not eating, not related to your food that you eat. Um, generally, you take these once a day. Um, if you're on really high doses of insulin, this might be a good option to be on because you get um, a higher dose of insulin in a smaller volume and it's just absorbed better in your bloodstream. Um, and you don't want to mix these with other insulin. Um, these insulins happen to come in pens, and I, I just brought one of them here. Um, but like you wouldn't want to, you know, put the needle on this pen and on another pen because they're not compatible mixed with any, any insulins. So then we have the long-acting insulins. These are like your, your Levamir and your Lantus. Um, and, and again, they, they come in pen format, or you can use a vial and a syringe. Um, and there's a new insulin coming in December. It's called Basaglar. Uh, and again, these are those background insulins when you're not eating that your body, your organs need um, to function. These are designed to last 24 hours, and you want to take them once a day at the same time. And again, like I said, don't mix them with other insulins. They're not compatible. Uh, your intermediate acting, this is your NPH. Um, this is the insulin that's been around the, for the longest time. Um, this is your background insulin, and there is some mealtime benefit with it as well. Um, usually you take this twice a day. It's a cloudy insulin, so you kind of have to agitate it or mix it a little bit before you give it. Um, and this is one you can mix with regular insulin. And when we talk about mixing it, um, way back when I started as a nurse, you know, the NPH and there was a regular insulin, there was only a couple kinds of insulins out there. And we would, we, we used a vial and a syringe and you would, you would draw up one and then you'd, you'd add your regular to it. So they were compatible with each other. Versus the newer insulins, you, you can't draw it out of one and add to another because they, they don't intermix. Uh, your short-acting insulin, this is the regular insulin, and that's one, it's been around for quite a while as well. Um, so this one would be your mealtime insulin. So you would take this before, before you eat um, because it's designed to work with your meals. And you want to take it about 30 minutes before your meal. The rapid-acting insulins, uh, your Humalog, Novolog, Apidra, these are also mealtime insulins. Um, these work a little bit quickly little bit quickly. So you want to take it, you know, not more than 15 minutes before your meal. Otherwise that insulin might be working and you might not have any food to balance it out. A lot of people take these kind of right before, right before they eat their meal. I have a question. Yes. I take care of a little guy at school in Scribner and he is on Humalog. Okay. I dose it they ha his mom has me dose it after he eats. Okay, okay. The, qu the, the question here, um, there's a participant that takes care of a younger child um, at school, and she said the mother has them um, give the insulin after the meal. Sometimes, especially with children, we, we don't always know what they're going to eat. And so in those cases, um, I know especially with that Epidra, the, the Humalog as well, um, they, they may give it after to make sure that they eat the food. Still okay, though. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. 
Um, the yeah, it, what can happen if if you if you give it and you know the child doesn't eat or the person doesn't eat, then they can have the low blood sugar because the insulin's working and there's no food there to balance it out. So, um, and these are the insulins. Uh, there's insulin pumps out there. Uh, these are the insulins that are used in the insulin pumps. Okay. There's also, this just came out um, this year. It's a Humalog U200 insulin. And again, it's, there's a little more insulin in a smaller volume. So this is designed for people um, who are on higher doses of mealtime insulin. Um, if you ask people on insulin, you know, how many units do you take? Um, you really get a, a wide variation. Some people require a lot of insulin, some people not a lot. And again, it's not right or wrong. It's very individualized to that person's diabetes care. And just like the combination medications, we have combination insulins. And usually it's, it's the longer acting and the, you know, the more rapid acting insulins. And the last one I wanted to touch on is the very rapid acting insulin. And this is called Afraza. And it's the only inhaled insulin that's available. And I, I don't have a sample of it, but there's a, a little device. You put like a blister in there, and then you, the blister is kind of like a pill, and you, you crack it, and it's a powder, and then they inhale it. And so it's delivered, you know, into your lungs. Um, it, you know, it works really quickly. So you pretty much want to take it and then eat. Um, for people on this insulin, uh, you can't have any chronic lung problems. Um, you can't have a history of smoking or lung cancer. Um, and they do lung testing once a year with this medication. Just a few other tips about insulin. Um, you know, once, you're, once you've used an insulin pen or a vial, um, your pens are usually good for 28 days. Unless it's a mixed insulin, then you know, it's not quite as long, 14 days. Um, generally, your vials are 28 days, um, but you know with these newer insulins, they are a little different. So I would check, you know, check the package insert or check with the pharmacist to see what they say. Um, once you're using insulin, you can leave it at room temperature. Insulin that you're not using, you need to keep in the refrigerator. Um, and the, the low blood sugar—that's the biggest side effect with with being on the insulins. And I am going to take any questions that you have. Um, are there any questions uh, from the other sites?